Ocean broke at the sex. Ocean broke at the sex. No, Ocean's very good at the sex. That's why I stick around. I like the sex. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. Oh my. I love to care. So so now we have the beginning of the podcast. Is the red light on? Yes. Yeah, no, I turned it on specifically just to get Okay, so what's their motivation? (laughs) No, 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 we're setting the scene. The the red light came on as soon as he asked me about how my trip was. So these these two people have a motivation for seeing each other. Let's extrapolate. Okay, okay. We better go get some sound effects. Goals for... Let's go into the bathroom. Gonna be okay. No, put the headphones on. <laughs> now do that. Yeah, that'll work. So today on Fangs and Fonts with their giant crew. We're going to talk about Feral versus Anthro. We are? I suggested that, and everyone seemed relatively intrigued about it. Sure. There there was a lot of... Taro, please give us your definitions. Wikipedia us. Wiki voice! (laughs) Let me play the Zootopia opening for Anthropomorphic. Uh, We don't want copyright claims. That's true. I thought so, that was a technicality. You could get away with 10 seconds worth of a song before they actually nailed you for it. Yeah. Yep. 10 yeah. seconds. Why no one ever sings the birth, happy birthday song anymore? It's a, it's, it's, it is a good points. thing we're not on YouTube, because that yes. would not count. So, so <laughs> ferals versus anthropomorphics. Generally, in the furry genre, you end up coming across two novels. Generally, a lot, generally a lot of the stuff written outside the fandom tends to be ferals, where a lot of the stuff written inside the fandom tends to be anthros with very... I mean, there's still some feral work, but generally it's not something that you see a lot of. You see very certain authors who specialize in it, um, but generally you see more anthropomorphic work where, again, outside the fandom it's generally science fiction or something like that where you have anthros. Anyway, why do you think that is? Because we as furries just tend to like seeing humanistic animal people. Well, suspension of disbelief. Well, that could be part of it, but I also think, again, outside the fandom, there's not that level of imagination in that respect. So a talking feral animal might be as much as that particular author is willing to go in terms of, like you said, suspending reality. Just a thought. I think it's expectations. I mean, when you're outside of the furry fandom and someone says, oh, look, a talking cat, you think Aristocats, you think Lion King, you know, you're, you're kind of already conditioned to think an animal that talks. You don't change the animal, you just add the talking part. Whereas inside the fandom, we're so accustomed to seeing an anthropomorphized aspect that we start to assume it would be a different visage. So a talking cat is now going to be a Tyrox or a lion or an ocelot, but they're going to be wearing pants and probably flipping you the bird. Uh, So which actually I, I find a little interesting because that set a precedence. Now, who came up with that one? The furries in the 80s? 
Well, I mean, like, there's there are a lot of things, like, if you think about things like Redwall, things like... Um, Black Beauty. Black... Yeah, Black Beauty, or, like, any anything with talking animals. Gus, Gus, I, I think, Snow White, or Cinderella. <laughs> I, I don't want to call it a lack of, like, imagination, but it's very easy to take something that already exists and add a flourish to it, such as a talking animal. Yeah. Dr. Doolittle. I love um, Dr. Doolittle. Where you have these things, and, you know, could have even been budgetary constraints. I mean, you have a bunch of talking animals, put a voice track over them, and bam, you've got a movie. <laughs> it's like Mr. Ed, feed the horse peanut butter and put words under his lips. I really want like, for all we know, it could have been that someone didn't want to spend a lot of money animating or creating a costume of some animalistic man-beast. And <laughs> Well, this, I was going to say, this goes, I was just thinking about it, because how many people with pets have sat there and carried a, com- one, technically a two-sided, one-sided <laughs> conversation with their pet, where it's like the dog's looking at you and you're talking as the dog, much like the guy in the caribou in Frozen. And it's naturally to progress to talking animals being able to tell a story, whereas in, yeah, again, with furries, because we deal with people in costumes a lot and we deal with that whole genre, we're more accustomed to seeing it. So for us to reverse back into ferals is actually kind of a weird back step where we just kind of want to... Go back to our roots. (laughs) Go back to our roots. I find that interesting that you as a cat owner... We'll talk about a one-sided conversation <laughs> with a cat. To be fair, the cats Because I'll tell answer. you, the, the, the one I used to have, uh, you know, rest her soul, uh, her and I used to have some pretty spirited arguments. Oh, well, the cats do and talk Given bad. the fact that she was mute at the time, that's kind of scary. You're a cat owner one. No, she actually still kicked my ass in these arguments. <laughs> She'd walk away. <laughs> that, that's a really good point, too, because people do personify so their pets. People do talk to them, and people do... <clears throat> very human traits. Wait, <gasps> anthropomorphize our pets? Well, it's yeah. not just okay. There was there's something I had heard, and it was on some science show, maybe Quarks and Quarks or whatever that science radio show is. What? But they talk about one of the things that we as human beings tend to do is we tend to anthropomorphize things, be it the moon, our car, be it our car, be it our pets, be it whatever. We mm-hmm. tend to see human faces in a lot of things, and we tend to give human attributes to pretty much everything that exists around us to create a sort of empathy with it. Or ownership. Or identity. Like, how many people... You mentioned cars. You know, people invest an awful lot of time and money into making their cars look good, tuning up, you know, making it faster, more powerful, chroming the hell out of it. Just keeping it on the road. Yeah, well, these days, yeah. Computers. Uh, Oh, yeah. yeah, I was like, for those of you who work with computers around the table, how often do you have people that are, like, free losing their shit over their computer because something happened, and you're just like, it's a machine. It's not trying to get you back. It's just, you have to be smarter. How many people certainly Uh. don't realize that computers tell them exactly what you tell them to do? Yeah, computers are dumb. Uh, however, they don't anthropomorphize them. They demonize them. Oh, yeah. Um, or they are some sort of futuristic <laughs> machine that me. will envelop <laughs> their livelihood and take their jobs. I like that. Right, one. like that's never going to happen, right? Yeah. Okay. What's the worst? Let's let's turn on Skynet. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> <laughs> da-dum, da-dum, da-dum. Will that get us DMCA'd? I hope not. 
I, I remember listening to, I don't remember what show it was or even what point they were making, but um, essentially somebody talking about the demonization of, of AI and computers because they're these, when, when computers were new in like the 70s and the 80s, mm -hmm. they were very mysterious to people. It, very, it was very easy to make them into this um, really entity? powerful entity that was bred for evil, and that seems to have really stuck with people. Sounds like my family. Um, this, actually, the demonizing thing reminds me, um, there was a case that was on, I think it was Discovery, of a monkey that had snatched a baby from a local tribe and eaten it. And they wanted the tribe members were calling for a trial of the monkey in a human court to basically try it for its crime. What? And people were turning around going, it's a monkey. You shoot it. It's a smart animal, but it's still an animal. Why are you... Brian kills a dog and he's like, I've killed someone. And everyone's all like, oh, shoot. And he calls the police and he's like, I killed a dog. And everyone's like, Pfft. whatever. Nobody gives a crap about a dog. <laughs> yes, exactly. Holding a did you guys explain? Did you guys point? I kind of missed it, but did you guys point out that anthros allow us to interact with your environment? Like you can have, you know, them shooting a bow or playing with a cell phone. Yeah, no, that's, no we haven't covered that, but that's or, a good I point. think that's why you start using anthros is because you can't do things. You can't have Robin Hood standing on four feet. That would be hilarious. All I've got is this mental <laughs> right. image of this dog well, it, up and it would, bow chewing on the end of it. It would take yeah. a largely <clears throat> different take on how to write it. Because, I mean, even, say, Redwall um, and the mice from Cinderella, they're still anthropomorphized. They all still used yeah. very human weapons. Yeah. They yeah. had castles, like bows, knives. Well, and still look at things like kobolds and that, which are just, <clears throat> you know, anthropomorphized animals. But it also presents... A very interesting, um, not dichotomy, but a very interesting contrast between like what you can do with Pharaoh versus an anthropomorphized being. You can either build the world around the Pharaoh creature, or you have it do Pharaoh things, or you anthropomorphize it so that it can use human things. In addition to all of the animalistic traits that it has, it changes everything depending on how you do it. I was going to say Animal Farm. Um, the animals still remain animals, but I believe the pigs, they've developed abilities like to write. They start walking around on two legs, but they're still pigs. With trotters. With trotters. Yeah. yeah well, oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> talking about ferals doing more humanized things, I'm probably going to get slammed for this, but look at My Little Pony. Yeah. They are, for the no, for the most part, they are feral. They walk, they, they're on their four legs. They have hooves, not hands. A little deus ex machina here with the unicorns <laughs> being able to use magic. Yeah, those bastards. <laughs> <laughs> able to open doors. No, well, whoa, whoa. Exactly. Without their mouth. <clears throat> whoa, whoa. Yeah, but, but in there, like, there's a... Well, I don't know if you could really call it a good example... All the bronies are going to kill this podcast, sorry. <laughs> um, of ferals. The maddest bronies. You know, kind of working. Now, they're hardly feral, are they? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you don't know what pink sorry. pies like behind Continue. closed doors. I don't think I want to know. 
I do feel bad for any pony that doesn't have wings or magic. That, they just, they my, just must be handicapped my, amongst the world. <laughs> my first fanfic that I ever tried to write was a first-gen My Little Pony fanfic. And I went onto a forum on my 386, and on it they were talking, and this person had actually posted and said, I'm writing a story. I have a scene where the ponies are pulling such-and-so-and-so out of a well... How the bloody hell do they tie the rope to pull them up? And you had an in-depth, like, six-page discussion of all these writers trying to figure out, if you're a feral pony, how are you going to tie a rope so that you can, into, like, a loop to toss it down and then have everyone pull it up? It sounds like you make it. Like I said before, it's, it's deus ex machina having the unicorns. To do all of that. Yeah. See, what, what's hilarious is that all of this was already possible in the My Little Pony <laughs> universe. And here you have people writing fan fictions arguing about why they can't tie a rope. <laughs> when I'm sure it's already <laughs> happened in the canon. Which makes for, like, again, they just... The My Little Pony writers had it. They're just like... Screw it. They can tie a rope. <laughs> Why, not? Why not? Why <laughs> not? We're sitting here going, well, but how would they even do it? They don't have fingers. And we're like, what does it matter? Talented pony tongues. Well, it de- I think it depends on how realistic you want your story to go. Because, I mean, you have the My Little Pony universe where realism, quotation marks. I was going to say, My Little Pony is the epitome of realism. But I mean, if you're going to write a... Friendship, damn it. <laughs> what the it's hell are magic. you smoking? Because, <laughs> I mean, you'll have ferals where you want people who are like, I'm going to write the next best story about an urban squirrel doing urban squirrel things. And it's like... He's going to be one. called Urban Suburban. <laughs> Joe's a handicapped squirrel well, that could um, There was... Um, uh, an animated movie that I watched years ago. It's called The Plague Dogs, I think. Oh. You've, you've seen it? No, it keeps coming up on the most disturbing kids' movies. Uh, yeah, Mojo. because, yes. no, it, one of the dogs, um, he'd actually killed his master. Not, he'd actually shot him. Yeah, yeah. But when they recreated how he did it, it actually fits. Basically, the... The master was holding his, his gun. It was a rifle. And the dog's like climbing up or whatever. And his hind paw caught on the trigger and blew the master's head off. Pop goes yeah. the weasel. But there you had the dogs. They talked. They acted, but they were feral. Like very feral. There's like a scene where they're marking a tree. Just whatever. <laughs> but, you know, nothing seemed out of the ordinary. Like what happened there, I'm actually expecting to find on... Newser.com one day about some dog in Florida blowing his master's head off that way. Just because Florida. I'm going to be looking for that. I will scour our news in Florida for that article. Oh, God, you're from Florida? I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, we've already already done that we make fun of Florida a lot up here. I welcome it. I welcome it. You know, I did that to somebody else. I I dropped, I I mentioned something. He says, yeah, I'm from there. I'm like, oh, crap. I actually do that with a girlfriend of mine. People in Florida know they live in Florida. One of my girlfriends, I, yeah. she, I was telling her a Florida story, and she's like, you remember I live in Florida, right? And I'm like, fuck, I thought you were in California. And she says, no, we're in Florida. And I, you want a Florida story? The snails ate my house. 
Then <laughs> I yeah. die because hey, if, nails if somebody's like, I live in Florida, just be like, that's your problem. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Do you want some Kool Aid? Yeah. Would you but like the second you find out about that, they'll link me to it because I do another show on Thursday nights, and one of my segments is the WTF news segment. So you're gonna move to Canada here. Uh, so sounds like a plan. So owls of Garul. 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 Garuli. So, are those considered feral? What are those? They're owls. They're, they're just owls. Yeah, like from what? The owls of Gahul. It's, it's a, a book movie. series that was turned into a movie, and they're basically owls, but they also know metalsmithing, which I thought was really weird because they craft. Was that the? Uh, oh, what was the movie called? Yeah, the, yeah. the Guardians, Guardians of Gahul. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. that's like go. warrior cats. So those owls make. Metal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, well that, that one's kind of self-explanatory. Kay. The man points sword. That's, uh, that's an owl Kitty helmet. Cat turns into, I'm going point. to eat your face. Um, yeah, but what about what about like Jess's book with the with the griffins? But they've got uh, eagle claws. And yeah, stuff. sort of owls. Are they feral yeah. or are they anthro? I, I would say they're feral. feral. They're feral. Very but they're feral. also doing like well. They, well, they do I have to plug my ears for spoilers? They, their claws are dexterous enough to be able to do these kinds yeah, of things. Yeah, like they it's have the lighting of the torches. If it's crows, not that far-fetched, but the, the Owls of Cahool thing kind of bring me back to the whole My Little Pony thing, is that we just kind of assume these things can do this. Like, maybe their legs have just evolved to the point where yeah. they can metalsmith with their legs. And not worry about their feathers being singed off because feathers are not totally. Their normal. wings obviously aren't going to do the job. Maybe yeah. they just have a bunch of naked owls sitting around forging things. <laughs> Poor Why fucking do they owl. Because feathers uh, are really flammable. They, oh, they, they have a bunch of burn victims in the blacksmithing shop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we got another burn victim. Throw him in the smithy. Yeah. Your whole health insurance must really. Be. <laughs> oh, you've got flightlessness issues because you burned to a crisp. Into the smithy with you. Yeah. You guys are fuckers. <laughs> There's no way in hell I'm getting that sound out, by the way. Actually, no, wait. You know, instead of... Actually, think of this. Okay. Instead of, you know, burn victims, I mean, if they can craft, you know, articulated talons and wing blades or whatever it is that they've got, chances are they probably got a couple of good leather workers, so they probably got, like, the big overcoats to cover up from the feathers. Mm. And that's... That actually is... <laughs> That does bring to light something I do find interesting about um, when I see a furry writer take on a feral story. Is that when they do go to that level of detail and degree as to how the hell does a feral pull this off? The mechanics that they do, or that they, that they used to describe, are is sometimes nothing short of phenomenal. Like I, I got to give props to, to anybody that takes on a writing challenge like that, because I mean, they're left with one hell of a challenge, and in many cases, they pull it off and do it well. Pulled it out your ass, and it smells like roses. Win. You know, I, I thought I was going to be the vulgar one because I was the guest, but... <laughs> Hi, I you met Mandar. don't listen to any of our podcasts. <laughs> I thought you came oh, yes. every Tuesday to write meets. Jesus. Oh, yeah, I, I do come every Tuesday to write meets when I can, and yeah, yeah, come on. Okay. <laughs> you, you are the only one who hasn't been booed by me, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I have a near-perfect attendance record, medical and work notwithstanding. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought, like, your point... It's very valid on the, um, usually when someone pulls it off, mm -hmm. it is one of those moments where 
say, unlike anthro characters, when a feral does something really creative and you're like, holy crap, they put thought in it. That's amazing. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> I would never have thought of owl leather workers and naked <laughs> owls in the smithy. <laughs> yeah, but there are some <clears throat> non-fandom science fiction where something like that, or believe me, I've, I've read some weird shit in my day. Um, oh yeah, I'll, I'll tell you about the camera bots later. Um, but they're just some of the levels that they go to for that. Like with a, with a furry writer, you can almost you can expect it. But when you see like a non furry writer come up with something like that, then it's like, okay, you're good. <laughs> you're really good. I noticed we've gotten into um, how with the My Little Ponies, how do they attach a rope <laughs> to the ponies to a cart? And it's like, how do you even build a cart when you have hooves? But not even getting Using your mouth. That. I was going to say, Applejack uses her mouth to Apple hold Jack the hammer. Applejack they also, uses her mouth for everything. Like this. I've they seen many also, pictures where they use that mouth for other things. They, they, they should have, <laughs> uh, they should have neck there. muscles out to here. They really also have a shit ton of magic. <laughs> they really do. Yeah. All the but, friendship. But the other aspect of it is when you're in um, Ferrell's, I used to role play before I got heavy into writing, and we had wolves with wolf packs, and they had these complex ideas like, okay, if we're hunting the deer, how do we know how far to hunt the deer? How do we know we're not going to interrupt into somebody else's territory? How are we going? They had all these complex ideas that you wouldn't put on a wolf, and it's like, huh. Well, because peeing on the tree just didn't count. Yeah, peeing on the tree was far, far. That was too yeah. mundane for them. <laughs> but the thing is, they kind of, well, like in the wild, a wolf would know the boundaries of their own territory. Because they visited that, and that, marked that's it. Exactly. Like that level of detail <clears throat> when it comes to wolves hunting in packs is almost like some Tolkien-type like extrapolation. <laughs> because the wolves just know. They, well, they <laughs> smell other wolves, or they know where their territory ends, and that's it. Yeah. Or they're worried about mutually assured destruction. Like, okay, if we go into this guy's territory, how are they going to... Are they going how do we kill him first? Yes. What, <laughs> when are we going to take out their leader? Because he knows where our food is. He's going to die. There's actually... Now I have two points. Um, there's a Dean Coons book where he has one of the characters from first person is a golden... I think it's a golden retriever. And... I remember because I was, when I was younger was a huge Dean Arcoons reader and I came across his description and it's literally this dog walking up to people and sniffing crotches and it's giant explanations as to oh this person has just had sex this person and I'm just like do you really think the dog gives a crap that you know a person has sex no well I don't have nuts Next. It's like, what's going to do? Look at him and go like, hey, buddy, uh, I, I realize you just got some. Can you hook me up? I, I don't think that's the conversation the dog's going to have. And I'm reading a book now it was, though. that I'm, I'm, it came very highly recommended, and my opinion of it keeps going lower and lower and lower. But it's, called, <laughs> but it's called Lucky's Girl, and in it he has a pack of wolves that have been corrupted by this tree. But the thing is, is when he talks from the wolf's perspective, because he has this one pack facing off against another pack, mm-hmm. and the unspoken dialogue between the two is I was like no this is you seriously have not looked up anything about how wolves interact to write this entire scene wolves do not fight pitched battles across a field from each other and it's like because they're lining up in battle formations against each other see I'm just imagining this as like duel of the fates 
All I can make of is that awful line they up must from have, Twilight. They must have roleplayed it. Or like some sort of oh, 300 that. type battle finale. Like, yeah, <laughs> Timber Wolf Land! Well, and it's just like, you know, and so-and-so hates so-and-so because she got kicked out, and so-and-so's an alpha female with all these subservient males, and the other one has the alpha female that kicked her out, and her mate, and and it goes on, and then they start killing each other, and there's a strategy, and I'm just like, just stop. It's like Game of Thrones, wolves. Oh, I'll have to. I'll have to look um, for a story for you. I think you might like. It's a short story by uh, Scott Sigler, um, and it has. It actually involves a pack of wolves taking down an alien that hmm. crash lands. And of course, the, the way Sigler works, this is actually an alien from this gigantic universe that he has that spans millennia. Yeah. Um, but the fight coordination in that one. Is actually, I think you'd get a kick out of it. Well, to go on to, because um, when Ray Chen was looking at my story for Dungeon Grind, I mm-hmm. have a scene where an anthropomorphic bear is being attacked by a bunch of wolf bandits, and it's a fantasy setting. Yeah. And at one point, he said, "Why are they attacking her one on one and trying to outflank her?" And I said, "He's like, I understand wolves do this, but they're sentient. This doesn't make sense." But there's, and I'm just like, there's still wolves. There's, you're not going to charge, you know, they're still thinking about their safety. They're not going to charge this fighter, you know, yeah. even as a huge swarm. They're, one of them, two of them are going to die. Yeah. If they do it this as a pack mentality. Hit and fade. Yeah, they have a chance of getting away. Yeah. Which is, again, taking the feral aspect into the anthropomorphic aspect. Which, which again, there's, there's good ways to do it. There's not so good ways to do it. And I, I, that's where I think a lot of writers... In well, I, I think out of the fandom, it's too much of a challenge, and in the fandom, it's expected, but still a challenge. Like some people do it very well, like that you they pick up on all the sensory, the extra sensory abilities, um, enhanced hearing, enhanced smell, better sight, the whiskers twitching because there's something wrong in the air. I see a lot of people don't do that. I mean, I was guilty of it at first too when I when I first started writing. Of the, like, of the zipper back syndrome. Yeah, I was, you know, I was like, okay, he's a guy, but he's a tiger. tiger and guy. it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Actually, I had someone to say that once, and it was just like, with that exact same inflection, like, uh, I gotta do something about this. <laughs> but no, and and part of it was okay. And then when I had my cat, I watched how my cat acted. I'm like, okay. How do I incorporate what I'm seeing this thing doing? Because she's always getting into trouble. How do I how do I extrapolate that into the character I'm writing? And it's it's a long process. Well, and that's I mean, and again, that goes into when you're writing feral versus writing <clears throat> anthro. Mm-hmm. Um, as you were saying, it's a lot of writers when they're doing say furry works of anthro works, they don't necessarily put enough animal attributes into it yeah and then when writing feral usually i find you kind of almost have the same thing to a degree is you have people who are like they either put too much animal into it not enough people Mm -hmm. or again it's the zipper back syndrome where it's just like i'm gonna write this tiger as a human even though he is a tiger yeah it's basically a guy a human walking around in a fursuit yeah actually on an interesting note have has anyone at the table actually read the Jungle Book? Yes. Yes, I have. And how is... <laughs> you sound so disappointed. 
No, I because I, I probably should. I was yes, yes. <clears throat> my people are in it. <laughs> yeah. All the dolls. There must be supporting characters just for filler. <laughs> They're there so the tigers have something to eat. No, they attack the tiger. The tiger backs down from the dolls. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. Well, the dolls. That's adorable. The They're just the hyenas. That's why tigers need freaking rocket launchers. The laser beams on that freaking heads. No, we leave that for the sharks because they got bad aim. <laughs> what? Oops. <Yeah. laughs> oh, oh, Joey, I'm so sorry. Oh, oh. Oh, oh. You guys, this is for shark fin oh. soup. Zoe's don't, don't, yeah, Joey's yeah. making dinner. Yeah, I, I'm sure that's going to be okay. Oh, oh, I'm oh, sorry. So, for the anthropomorphism of the animals in the jungle book. Because um, I, I don't know how long ago you read them, read it. How are how, are they done relatively well? Or oh, the characters are done. The anthropomorphized animals are done extremely well. Um, like Bagheera, I love how Bagheera is very, very practical, very methodical, very deliberate in his actions. Um, Baloo. He's a sloth bear. You can actually see his slovenness, how he's really a lay a layabout, but then he still retains a lot of his bear qualities. Um, <laughs> no, no. I was waiting for Someone that. was singing that at work today. And it took me three hours to get out of my hair. Um, no. The wolves, the wolves, they, of course, you could see they were heavily regimented. They, they really, they really stuck to order, but how, uh, Goodness, Rakshi, I believe her name is the the. She's not the alpha female. She's just referred to as Mother Wolf in there, but how she was very tireless and very protective of Mowgli and of the pack and the her children and Akila. How he's very much a leader. I love that. They, it's like you could feel that they were they were still animals, but you really felt that yes, these could be people. I could see these as people. Did they did they do a lot of? Um... Just like with furry writing, you've got the whiskers and the ear twitches and all. Did they do a lot yes. of that in the book? Yes, there was okay. a lot of that. Um, you could when Mother Wolf, one of the scenes where Mother Wolf is actually enraged. I think when I'm not sure if it's Shere Khan actually came to the den to try to start something. How she raised her hackles and she was ready to fight. And she had very very dog. Well, I want to say dog like qualities because that's the closest thing I can. Really but she was very wolf. Were prominent? Yes, her canine qualities were very prominent. Very uh, awesome. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Um, and Shere Khan, how he really cat like. Shere Khan and Bagheera are very cat like. He's a jerk. Yes, yes, he is. Yes, the tiger was a jerk. <laughs> I like how she looks at you. <laughs> she says a disclaimer. Uh, I, I hate to be part of the not all group, but you know, not all tigers are jerks. <laughs> I keep forgetting you're a tiger too. <laughs> I don't. I'm not here. I'm not here often enough. I, I get it. <laughs> I just do spidery canine vulpine things. Yeah, it's I'm funny. I actually horrible. most of my writing deals with feline characters. I try to avoid that trope just because I'm a cat. But just just pay no mind to that missing thing in your bag. Cats rule. Dogs true. Yes. Yes. That's because of all the sex they're having. <laughs> so yeah. exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of dehydrated from the chlamydia. Just, so exhausted. I don't, I don't know. The one thing I like about writing uh, anthro felines in action scenes is, you know, hand slash paw goes around throat. Guy says, what are you going to do? Suddenly feels pinpricks of extending claws closing in to mm. break the skin. 
at that point, that's something you can do with a feline character to really get the point across, no pun intended. Actually, there's one thing that, I brought it up before, but it always kills me. So you know how a cat's tail is very emotive, it lashes and Mm -hmm. twitches. And people write other species like Mm -hmm. that. Like the dog's tail will lash and they're like, no, it doesn't! Stop that! Dog. And you see, and that, that's the one thing I did about the world that I was building is that, uh, yeah, the characters are felinoid by trait oh. or by, by descent, but there's no tails. What if we find out at the wolf sanctuary that uh, it makes it really tough wolves' ears cannot fall flat? They cannot fall flat. No, they, they have too kinda, much cartilage in there. Yeah, yeah. they kind of swivel back, but that's about it. Their, mm-hmm. their ears do not emote like people write them. Their tails do not emote like people write them. The, their unless they're wagging. Very, <laughs> unless they're wagging. They do wag their tails. Well, they do wag, ears. but they don't thrash violently. They don't, they don't curl, curl around the legs. I was going to say, that's, that's just foxes when they're excited. Their yeah, tails foxes. thrash. Yeah, but how do you tell a fox is excited? Right, Leo? <laughs> you, no, okay, no, I can I can answer this one, yeah. But how do you tell a fox is excited? Is it awake? I was just going to say, is it awake? Yeah. Is it awake? <laughs> um, I, I was just going to ask, is it awake? Ron, Ron, may he rest in peace. He had... Um, Poor Ron Ron. Fox Alviso. Ron Ron? Yeah. He's dead now. He passed away. He's a fox on YouTube. Yeah. Oh, He's very emotive. He's very emotive. He responds very, very well to his owner. And watching him, you can see a lot. You can see how he's kind of been domesticated, but how he has some very dog-like tricks, I want to say. But then he'll have, like, the... I guess feline traits, of course, with the tail twitching, like you can tell when he's a little mm-hmm. upset or when he's agitated. Like that, the tail does the, the vibrate. And then, of course, you'll have, hear the wonderful ear pitching well. Yeah. Mark! Um, what about stories that have both anthros and ferals, like, you know, a cowboy coyote <laughs> riding a horse? Is the horse okay. cognitive of its position in life, Whoa. or is it just a beast of burden? Maybe it's in the BDSM. That would be fantastic. It's like My Little Pony and Saddles. But, see, I would love that, but I don't think it, I don't think it would work too well for continuity. Because you would only have so many steeds that you could actually ride. And they and would all be BDSM at it. There's such high demand, and they're exhausted all the time. Well, I think the, um, and like man. the screams, the moans, they would echo for miles. I don't want to live on this planet oh, anymore. Oh, yes, as you're galloping down into so the sunset. Go faster! Ride me! Go faster! Ride me! But that, the and then they both got boners, and I mean... I can't what? go any further, I've got no blood in my head. <laughs> so what about in westerns? Well, <laughs> you have feral horses. People are riding them. Well, well, that's what I was thinking. Is okay. A series of anthro species, be it whatever they are, and having ferals like herd animals, horses, cattle, whatever. That's one thing. Having say a planet of anthro horses that rode feral horses. That's getting a little odd. Wait. Um, Isn't that like how Pluto would have a dog? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> exactly <laughs> it. Goofy <laughs> has Pluto, which yeah. is a dog has a dog pet. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. How no. Does that Pluto work? is Mickey's pet. Not, Mouse not, has a pet dog. Not in the the Goofy movies. Really? Yeah. Well, okay, but okay. Goof Troop. Yeah. yeah. They had the, they had the cat Waffles. The other they had the the dog whatever the hell that well okay that wasn't a dog it was a dust mop with legs. Um, but they still had a pet dog. The dog fell. Yeah, they, yeah the, the bottom line was that they did have non-sentient 
same feral species. animals what? of yeah, the next. same species. Yeah. Yes, go next. All right, I actually just realized something is that it's much like how you get into restricted areas, like you're not supposed to be. If you act like everything is supposed to be completely normal in this story that you're presenting, people don't question it. Mm-mm. So now I just have this mental image of every dog is like some secret but sleeper agent. I think that's. I that's think what it's, we were going back to when we were talking well, about. Versus, um, here's, here's the thing: it's like true. In our I mean, own bubble. Based on how we fight Roland, about things that nobody else cares about. Yeah. Because nobody's yeah. going to analyze it that way. Okay. Well, I was going to say, based on what Roland said, it's completely true. I cut through malls in the back hallway all the time. Just... <laughs> <laughs> you act like you belong, no one questions That's how you that. <laughs> You're going to wear a golf tee and you practically look like you belong there. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, that goes to the thing. If you have a story where you're writing, say, first person and you have anthro characters and then you have one of your characters be a intelligent feral... I mean, and especially if you did the same species, because that would just be a mind screw. That'd be awkward. Mm-hmm. But I think your standard reader may not get thrown by it as much as, say, a furry reader. Because I think we as furry readers are used to, you know, authors where it's like, okay, I have anthro characters, I have feral creatures, that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. But we still go, okay, well, you have, you know... But there's anthro- still a clear cut line between yeah. the species. You have anthro rats, but you have feral mice. Yeah. That's much like how we have, you know, anthro humans and feral apes. Yeah. But if evolution is it? <laughs> but I think the case is. Shut up, can't ham. <laughs> I think we as furry readers will look at something where people have feral and especially cognitive ferals and um, anthros and go, wait, what? Whereas in, again, much like Roland said, for the non-furry reader, because for them, they're so immersed in the suspension of disbelief, they just accept it and go. Yeah. It's funny because there's no real reason we need to justify any of this. <clears throat> like, if that's how the world is... Social norm? Yeah, like, if somebody looks at your world and like, so how did this happen? Evolution. Wizard did it. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah, wizard did it. Six billion years passed. I mean, but, I didn't think it happened. But I think... <laughs> but, the, <laughs> but the thing it comes is when you're writing a story like that, you're going to... I mean, people are going to sit there and pause. Because, I mean, I've read stories where I look at how the story goes and goes, how... Why? Why? How can they do this? Or why are they doing this? Or how is this even possible? Again, to go back to the, the mouse-rat thing, that threw me for a bit. Yeah. When I was like, oh, there's... And then it was a Kyle Gold book, which was Green Fairy. And I went, right, in Kyle's sto- works, there's the non-uplifted animals, and then there's the intelligent yeah, so, animals. So the non-intelligent ones fill the void of the intelligent ones. Yeah. So I, I guess in that respect, um, you're talking about suspension of belief. Mm-hmm. I guess what it comes down to is, like, if if the author has written in such a way that you do become completely immersed, then I, I honestly think furry reader or not, all that small stuff, they're not even going to sweat it. Now, you're going to get that one pedantic troll that's going to be like, well, how do you fully explain this? Like, how I, did I've your actually, ponies tie a rope? Yeah, <laughs> how do ponies tie a rope? Why, why does your Bengalan species of... Humanoid, sli- humanoid felines not have tails. And I'm like, okay, I've got this 10-page document that actually explains how it happened. Just for yeah. trolls like your ass. Yeah, and then they go, how the hell did you come up with that? Because I'm not See, a moron. No, and, and all I just said there was there, that was 18 beers in one night. Is that where that came from? 
there's like, much to the vein like when it comes to having docile domesticated creatures in your world sometimes they can just be like the story I'm working on <clears throat> literally right now um, one of the comments is like well what is this cattle do they exist as like anthropomorphic creatures or are they whatever I'm like doesn't matter I mentioned the word cattle once well, that's... In reference to a steak. Well, I was going to say, and that's... I was just actually going to use steak as a that reference. That tells you all you need to know. Yeah. It's food. Yeah, there's a... There's Born a, of an animal of some kind. Yeah, there's a herd animal of some kind that is most likely farmed. Or, like, you know, the, the paradigm comes in. It's lo- most likely farmed. It's slaughtered for meat. Does it matter if it's sentient? Is it part of... Is, is it sentience part of the story? You go yeah, to I was a slaughterhouse. Say, like, if, if you argue, is it sentient, that becomes a whole other bucket. Yeah. Yeah, I- exactly. But if it's not mentioned in the story, like you said, who cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What um, is, is, Does cattle actually specifically reference to bovine, or is it just a generic term? Like, I a, believe cattle is, is commonly used for bovine. Yeah. Okay, I was just wondering about that. Cattle is usually used for beef. Like large, going to eat it. large ruminant yeah. animals with horns and okay. cloven hooves yeah. domesticated for meat okay. or milk. See, I was just wondering if cattle yeah. was used as a term like herd animal. So no, um, but uh, you know, unless you're looking like slaughtered like cattle, then it's yeah. then you're not then talking it being, unless it, it's anthropomorphic bovines, and then you're you've just made a really bad cat, pun in cattle your story. is pretty much red meat. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Um, or. You could go the way of Ocean's, uh, one of Ocean's stories, and have these cannibalistic carnivores that prey on not beasts of burden, but other anthropomorphic animals that happen to be vegetarians. Predators and prey. And this goes back to when I first got into the fandom, um, a bunch of people were talking about the quote-unquote realism of furries, and one of the things they brought up was there at the time there was an artist who was doing essentially gore pictures of predator anthros eating herbivore anthros. And this was freaking a lot of people out because he was the first person at the time to kind of come forward and go, hey, this could be a thing in the, you know, furry universe. Yeah. And I mean, and I've read stories, and even going through the slush pile, I'm going through their stories in there where they take into account that aspect. Mm-hmm. And the what happens when one sentient animal eats another, eats another sentient animal, and then I know how do they justify it? A little bit in her book. Like it's something I wanted to write a story like about. It, it has the same kind of feeling as cannibalism, but has this weird <laughs> undertone of it's still a natural relationship between these two species. Yeah. Um, even Zootopia touches on that like a little bit. Well, we still haven't seen it. Um, <sighs> brain derailment. Amtrak. <clears throat> oh, we still have humans that eat apes and gorillas. And humans. And, and that's really weird. Yeah. Like, we don't consider this normal behavior to eat. Yeah. But, and Among for them, it is. Yeah. Well, when we were or on dolphins. our cruise, they were like, people. don't eat anything that's called bushmeat. That's no, monkey. Yeah, don't eat um, uh, bushmeat, tree sheep, or uh, bush goat. Yeah. 
And of course, then we went looking for it because I like eating unusual meat. I think most time where there's a story where there's a prey animal that's sentient, usually the predator is not the sentient one. Yeah. Or the predator's the psychic. Sometimes they are, but they're often psychic. From that humanity aspect. Well, again, we as as humans on this planet, we are the we're the only sort of elevated species. Narcissistic as that may sound. But in that world where an, uh, a sentient anthropredator is taking out a sentient anthropreid, that's a bit of a paradigm shift because now you have multiple species that have elevated to that intelligence. I still think that falls under homicide. Uh, possibly. It, but again, it depends on the kind of world you're trying to build. You know, like, uh, could this be a world where... Um, Maybe they're trying to maybe they're trying to enact a law like that. Maybe there's like some king that wants to change everything so that predators don't go after prey. Although, what's the alternative? Well, look at Yanis's story in IA, mm -hmm. yeah. which handled With the, the whole predator the prey thing. Well, also Gray Flanks, but you still have to read that. Yes, Gray Flanks actually deals. There's a there's I don't want to call them a cult, but there's a group in there, and they're they're called Darwinists. And they actually believe in cannibalism. Like, you should be eating other animals. Oh, jeez. <laughs> he, he did very well in developing it. But I'll leave it for you to read. <laughs> well, in, like, um, to take kind of a different example, in uh, Abandoned Places, there's the one scene where the wolf has killed the fox on the table. If that is just being a sheep, that story would not have had the same emotive power that it had because you're like a wolf eating a sheep. That's quote-unquote normal. But here you have a predator species killing another predator species. And, it, I mean, even though wolves will kill foxes, it's a case of... It's, it Isn't creates... it a territorial dispute? They won't actually eat them? Probably not. But... What, foxes? Uh, if a wolf kills a fox, it's a territorial dispute. They won't actually kill eat the fox. A, a lot of wolves predate on foxes. And they do actually eat them then? Mm -hmm. Okay. They will eat foxes. <clears throat> there we go. <laughs> so works in you, you, in, you introduce you anthropomorphize these <laughs> these creatures, and suddenly it becomes a lot more unusual. Like if if these were feral creatures killing each other, we'd say, "Oh, that's normal." But it's the sentience that adds that spook factor. Well, not even quite the sentience, because no? these things can still be intelligent, but predatorial. As opposed to where we, if we make them largely human with animal traits, it's like a person killing another person regardless of what species they are. And now a moment of silence. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're watching a bird do laundry and clean up its house. Do bird you ever things. seen the video? Turns on the news and they're like, there's a predator <laughs> out there. It's a picture of Have you ever seen the video of the deer eating the blackbird? No. Uh -huh. You need yes. to watch yes. that. You need to watch that. I don't know. I saw the one of it's... the deer beating up the dog, and I was... That happens all the time. You want to see something funny, watch a deer shit kick a hunter. That's fucking Oh, yeah. I, I've Whoa. seen that one. <laughs> yeah. Basically, the, the deer rears up. This guy, like, coated himself in, in, like, deer urine or whatever to make himself scarce. And this one buck, like, reared up and just started pounding him with his forelegs. It was, it was like on one of those fox when animals attack things. Which are always hilarious. Yeah, and I'm just looking at this hunter, and at first I thought, you know, th this is terrible. Now, I was a kid when I first saw it, 
Then I saw it again and went, yeah, stupid redneck. <laughs> <laughs> really, though, YouTube, Deer Eats Blackbird, it's the f- <clears throat> funniest thing ever. I don't know. I think from the deer's point of view that attacked the hunter, um, the guy smells like a great time and he gets there and the guy's like, no, nah, I'm trying sounds to kill like you. A, you know, it's, oh, yeah, he probably he's... smells like a, 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 a trespasser, another a rival buck. Because he's probably not smart enough to use dough urine that's in season. He's probably used another buck's urine. Yes, yeah, so, so, so either he's defending his territory or he's pissed off because he got cock blocked. One of the two. Yeah, either <laughs> or. Or if he actually shit. is trying to fuck the hunter and it's just <laughs> pounding him. Poor his pride. Poor his So, to go back. So, on your comment about the sentient humans eating humans. <clears throat> if you were to read a story where, say, a wolf ate a sheep character versus a, where one, like, a wolf eats... Another, a sheep eats a wolf. Where a wolf eats another wolf. Or a rabbit ties down a wolf to a chair. Dust up to him. And eats him. Well, no, that's, a, that's, a, but, that's actually an interesting role reversal. He wrote it. I wrote it. But all I'm saying is... Writing... <laughs> writing anthro, <laughs> you, can, you can do that. And it's like, oh... You know, and, and everybody can be M. Night Shyamalan. They go, oh, what a twist, you know? But, I mean, if you were to read a story where it's it's a wolf eating a sheep character versus a wolf eating a wolf character, us as furries, would one create more of a shock than the other? Would the wolf eating the wolf create more of a shock than the wolf eating the sheep character? Maybe you should write the same story and then just switch it and see what people's opinions are. Oh, uh, it's kind of tough to do that because if all you do is if all you're doing is a word substitution... There's all of the other aspects of no, no. You'd have to rewrite of it. a there's sheep no versus a there's, there's no just simple I, yeah, a, a victim sheep versus a victim wolf. The, it's going to be done a lot differently. Yeah. I wonder about the motivation of the wolf for eating the other wolf. Revenge. And are they sentient? Yes, they're both sentient. Okay. Well, then that's just weird. Yeah. So, <laughs> so if it's done you... up as some kind of like really sick and twisted vorplay thing, well, because then I'm not going to be shocked. I'm just going to be disgusted. But, but if you change it to a human eating a human, mm-hmm. then I mean, okay. we'll assume that that's the most horrific out of all three of those scenarios: is a human eating a human versus a wolf eating a but sentient wolf eating that's... a sentient wolf. Because we assume that they're predators and we but assume they have my, that. But my point is, we're still human in the end of it, which is probably why that would squick us out more. Because we're biased. My, my, uh, my point with this whole thing human. is that a wolf yeah. eating a sheep is normal, whereas a wolf, wolf character eating a sheep character is it, it, it approaches that uncanny valley. Area where it's really mm. uncomfortable. Okay, <laughs> so if we switch them from anthro to feral, does that make it, it into a more acceptable the dynamic? Completely, it does. Because yeah. then you've just got Peter and the wolf, and nobody cares. Because yeah, wolf eats a sheep. Well, that's nature. <laughs> Is that a future on episode? Anthro wolf eats an anthro sheep. Well, that's fucked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> An anthro sheep eats an anthro wolf, and you're like, what the hell's wrong with this writer? But then if you do a feral sheep eating a feral wolf, it's just as fucked just up. Just as fucked yeah. up. So, Next on the you're really not, you're not, yeah, <laughs> Next you're not, one, when animals attack. You're yeah. not really doing anything mind-bending <laughs> here, but it was just the fact that we can go from, here's a feral character with sentience. But, but you, personified, sentient. you personified both of these creatures so much that it becomes... Far too similar to cannibalism to become com- to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you have two sentient feral creatures that end up killing and eating each other, I think it's a horse now. Still really sad. 
It's still sad, <laughs> but it's not as sad as the humanistic character versus or eating the humanistic character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, I think we reached our point on that one. <laughs> yeah. I think you had the same point. That was the point was I the had point? all along. No, 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 no. But was I was just point? I don't know. No, no, no. But it was now. it was just the um I'm seeing horses in a different light though. Mark. What about Mark? <laughs> <laughs> She's got it! Dog. <laughs> what about so, Bark? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so we Trees. So we okay. talked about how how they're written. Societal things, predator prey. What about relationships like two ferals and like two anthros? Like writing challenges, that well, kind of stuff. I think it depends on how you want to portray it in your book because you've got authors who have taken the feral feral relationship and it's they literally write it like it almost is in nature. Horny yeah. dog meets in heat female. Done. You know, done. Yeah. In a Help, of... we're stuck together. Oh, no, we're not. We're done. In a lot of ways, they'll treat those kinds of relationships like they would a human relationship as well. Yes. It's because we are talking about sentient creatures that, yeah. you know, we can write stories about. And yeah. It's that relationship is going to end up very much the same way that, you know, maybe you have with your relationship with your girlfriend or boyfriend. Well, I mean, there's plenty of in. examples of things like that, like Lion King uh, and yeah. Spirit of the Cimmerellian. Cimarron, Spirit <clears throat> of the West. Yes, horse meets horse. Yeah. Has horse babies. Aristocats, Robin yeah. Hood. Uh... Uh, see, Aristocats is one of those ones where it's like, on one hand, yes, they're feral. On the other Lady hand, the they tramp. play the piano and the cello. Lady and the Tramp. Lady and the Tramp. Dalmatians. Yeah, and the one cat could use chopsticks, but I mean, they, they were still largely feral. Um, you know, this, this just goes back to the whole My Little Pony thing, yeah, where they just yeah. they use chopsticks and pianos because they can. Yeah. I, I, in, as soon as you said Lion King, I was actually thinking of that scene. You know, the, the Elton John music is playing, and instead of the two of them, like, actually kissing, they do the big neck nozzle thing. Yeah. I thought, yeah, good, good call. Like, they... They kept it as feral as they dared at that well, point. Yes. And I mean, one of the things I thoroughly enjoyed was in Lion King 2, there's one scene when the prides come together that Simba's like, let's all go home together. And then he gives this look. And you. it's at that point, if you are quick enough, you realize that he has now collected two prides worth of females. Mm-hmm. And there's He's only gonna him be and Kovu. Busy lion. Yeah. He's going to be tired. It's him and Kovu. And Kovu's not the dominant male in that pride. Simba is. So, of course, Simba's all excited that... About yeah. to be driven out. But... You guys analyze Lion King movies too much. Uh, yeah, they do. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm like, there's a Lion King too. <laughs> there's oh, a Lion King two and a half. Yeah. Yeah. We're, We're still going to do a marathon night of the Lion King with, like, Silent and Raven. And... Are we? Yeah. Oh. I bought the, deep, the Blu-rays know? just for it. No, oh, I think okay. I did, no. Because I knew there was that half. Oh. Yeah, we don't talk about that. So, that's the one we don't talk about. But I think when you're writing a relationship, especially from a story perspective, most people want to see that humanistic animal relation between because they want to relate to the characters. Yeah, and that's the thing is you have to have that relation to make a good story. If you just have them where it's like, oh, they meet and that's it, then 
you know, you kind of miss out on a huge audience grabbing plot point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Lion King was okay. It had cats in it. I mean, we we could know. go yeah. on the flip side of the coin and talk about anthropomorphic relationships. Which are largely like our mm. own relationships, but with more animal anatomy. Mm -hmm. That said, I think a cross-species anthropomorphic character relationship is actually more believable than a feral cross-species relationship. What do you mean? Well, sorry, what was the sorry, first sorry, that <clears throat> So if you have... So we're all used to seeing the anthropomorphic stories where it's tiger meets blank. They form a relationship, things go on. But very rarely do you ever see the written Fox stories. Meets wolf. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Feral, really. Where it's feral tiger meets fox. They form a relationship. They're feral animals. Are they? Well, no. If you do a feral story, oh. no, you would rarely see a story where a feral tiger meets a feral wolf and yeah. a feral bang. <laughs> And then they um, get, then they have... I, I think that largely has to do as well with us humanizing these anthropomorphic characters as opposed to the feral ones. Mm -hmm. Well, and usually I find where with furry stories, we just accept the fact that these two species are going to get together and have a meaningful relationship. A lot of people will write a feral story where you have the mixing of species to basically point out how tragic it is that they are not the same species. Because either one's prey, one's predator, or... There's no way they'll ever have kids, or, or they're never or... the same size. Like yeah, kind of yeah. Like Charlotte and the pig. <laughs> yeah. Um. What was the pig's name? Wilbur. Thank Wilbur. you. Wilbur. What? That's a classic. How could you forget Wilbur? Um. Look, <laughs> I had to been like thirty years. Give us a break. No, I, I had to deal with that book. I think three times in my academic career, uh, through different grades. I'd like to forget most of it. What's the book again, Charlotte's Web? Yeah. Yep. Okay. We've been talking about the feral interspecies relationship, and I can't help but think about one movie. That I was watching a review for like last night, um, and it's Benji. Guy dies, gets put into the body of a dog. Oh, heavenly dog! And then meets yeah. meets girl, goes and finds his killer or whatever, and then girl dies and gets reincarnated as a cat. Yeah, and they live happily ever after <laughs> somehow. Yeah, the um, well, it, it was a dog. That looked that looked like Benji. Yeah. It, it wasn't Benji, but it was the same kind of thing. Uh, the voice was done by Chevy Chase. As a matter of fact, he was the detective that died. Yeah. And the line at the end was just so stupid. He says, um, "What do I call you, Benjamin? BJ? What? BJ? <laughs> I'm tired of Benjamin. Although some of my friends used to call me Benji." And the lady goes, "No, I don't think so. You're not quite the Benji type." Yeah, it was like the cheesiest line you've ever heard in a movie. And I'm anybody that sure watched, what, I'm not sure what it was relevant to. <laughs> well, no, because um, there were a lot of movies with a dog of the same species named Benji. It was a huge species. At yeah, the it was time. like Benji yeah. come home. It, it was kind of like the the next generation of Lassie, just a lot smaller. Um, so that's what they were sort of taking a dig at those. 
and anybody who had seen those would look at it, saw the I what I saw what you did there type thing. But it's like, but the um, the review that I was watching for that movie was actually making the point that the dog is still like twice the size of the cat. Yeah, the dog's anatomy is going to be a little bit larger than the cat can handle, and so they're really just stuck in this purgatory, this relationship purgatory where they love each other, but they're not going to be able to like. Consummate Do their, their love. yeah consummate their love? Thank you. Well, but uh, I don't want to sound picky about this, but it's not just it's not always about the knot, so to speak. You know, they, they could have their relationship could be on a level that doesn't require something like that. I can't believe I'm psychoanalyzing the final credits of a damn movie. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Roland. Yeah. I've got better things to do with my brain power. Not anymore. It's rotten. <laughs> oh yeah. It is my absolute pleasure <laughs> to ruin things for that's, people. Like but I said right. before, with friends like this, who needs drugs? Well, and that's, Obviously you. That's why I said more. <laughs> it's more of a tragic story when it's cross-species as a feral versus yeah. when it's anthropomorph. Because you figure anthropomorphs are going to get around it somehow. With feral, it's like... At least with an anthropomorphic, like, you're going to assume they're all the same, the same essential size. They're all quote-unquote, humistic-sized. You know, you're five feet, you're six feet, really there's no big difference. You're 160 pounds, you're, you know, 110 pounds, there's no real big life-shattering, body-rending difference. Yeah, there's propor <laughs> it's proportional. Yeah. I thought you were going to make a reference to Fox and the Hound. Mm -hmm. No. No, th those two were just... Those they were, were a couple of butts. They, they, they so were was great at doing different sizes. Hmm? They had little Rodentia, which is just this tiny town for all the little rats and mice. <clears throat> oh, okay. Yeah, again. You guys still need to see we it. We haven't seen it. We're supposed to go this Friday. <laughs> yeah. Supposed to. Supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. Leo looks like he's watching some consummation of relationships go right already. now. <laughs> go! Anyway. I, we talked about the relationships... Is there anything we want to add? <laughs> These two I'm are trying, done. I'm trying to think of a point in which what I can bring up the website Does the Dog Die? What? In, in relation to like how much <laughs> how much more sympathy die. people have for yes. feral characters. No, okay, there we go. Yeah, sympathy for feral characters versus sympathy for anthropomorphic characters. Well, this is what we were talking about yesterday with your story. <laughs> Because I'm like, in your story, because your horse, like, dies, but he comes back, and you're just like, you lose all the emotional... Like, I'm going to just show you it's, all it's, you, yeah. your movie, the website, doesthedogdie.com. What? <laughs> it exists yeah. solely to tell people if their pet whether or not the pet has died. So and when you watch Morley and Me, you know the dog is going to die. Yeah. So there, one Dalmatians is a... there. There's a happy yellow lab for no pets die. A sad brown dog for a pet is injured or appears dead but ultimately lives. If you're worried about Fucking pets, the, the well, long... 102 Dalmatians, not 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> Oh God. The uh, long journey home, where the journey home, where it's like they fake the golden retriever dying and all dogs go to heaven. Homeward bound. Homeward bound. Oh, yeah. oh my God! Like when he comes over that hill. All dogs go to heaven. Is yeah, the dog dies. Oh, they even say it. There's one sad dog and eight dead dogs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! They counted. So like I, I really think oh, no, this or just, it's a rating. It's a rating. That's what it is. This just okay. goes to show that like everybody sympathizes with the feral animal. 
And so when you have like these cute little critters running around that like happen to be sentient, but still much <laughs> like your pets that you know and love, you are much more sympathetic to their cause. <laughs> His nemesis, the movie's name was Carface. Yeah, <laughs> Carface. You don't remember the bulldog's name was Carface? No, this this was eighty nine. Oh, gonna watch that tonight God. before bed. Yeah, no, you still have to watch Monty Python. Which one? The Holy Grail. Nice. I know. Oh my god. Exactly. Fuck. Anyway. Okay, <laughs> hold on. African or Americanized? Oh. Okay. <laughs> you grab it off my shelf for me. It's right there. A- anyway, so, Dallas, I thought it's we right, were having right. interspecies relations tonight. What, what well, we're that? watching the movie. <laughs> That's, that's, why you, that's why you that's have you're, you're there. You're positioned so you can both watch the TV. <laughs> All right, come on, let's wrap this Dallas, up. Okay, that, that's that's shit. <laughs> we're watching hockey, just so you know. Um, okay, I'm gonna splice together the raunchiest thing I can get of you two and you and you saying things. <laughs> I can't wait to see that post. Send it to me. Anyways. <laughs> Um, I have a lot of material (laughs) from the first 40 minutes. There you go. (laughs) But when you're talking about uh, the whole sympathy thing, again, coming from a writing perspective, I think it depends on how you've written the character. Because you can still, believe me, I've, I've, I've read Anthro stories where a character dies, and I've been in tears. I've read stories where a feral character dies, and it's like, yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, but the thing is there, like, yeah, if he had it coming, you've still got a huge investment in that character, and the character is, you know, maybe he rates a, a 12 to 15 on the asshole scale. <laughs> no, the, the asshole scale, to me, is a measure of cruelty uh, taken on by the antagonist of a story. The, the crueler they are, the more elaborate and utterly satisfying their demise is going to be. Um, has everyone here seen The Force Awakens? Yes. No. Okay. Plug your ears. Uh, no, no, no. You watched episode four. Then you've seen seven. <laughs> uh, Go okay. ahead. Uh, Go ahead. You can... <laughs> we could get into a huge debate on that one, or a discussion, but all I'm saying is that the antagonist, Kylo Ren, right now is sitting at about a nine on the asshole scale for me. Yeah. He's got two or three more movies. And about an 11 on the emo scale. Oh, God, yeah. Well, he was any more emo. You know, honestly, there, there's that the one scene, this is not a bad spoiler, where he's got Ray in the thing, and he goes, she goes, uh, you know, you wear a mask. And right there, it, to me, is the ultimate Mel Brooks moment. Because honestly, the guy took off the mask and the back of me saying, put it back on, please! <laughs> Which, oh, Kylo? You yeah, ruined yeah, you're Kylo. like, that, no. No. It's like a person. He, he looks like, like the 15-year-old oh. kid, Evo. Like, well, you get your hair done. You know, you know he, he actually looks like Gene Simmons' son. Well, there was, <laughs> there was the one comment. Someone did a comic, and Ray's just staring at him after he takes it off. And he's like, what? And she's like, I, I didn't know what to expect. Or, I don't know what I expected. This wasn't it. It's, yeah. it it's, it's like a fursuit of taking off his head. Kylo Ren ruined the magic yeah, that is totally Vader. Did. Yeah, I, well, because like, I will like say... The, it's like Revenge of the Nerds. This like, pimply kid is yeah, like, ah, lead, dark Leading heart. up to that point, uh, I had to admit, uh, for the new Vader, or whatever he was trying to pull off, he did it good. The whole rage, ragey scene there... 
okay, that was kind of like I'm really as 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 the as honest trailers put it, mm-hmm. where he out Anakin's Anakin. Yeah, is yeah. basically how he comes across. Yeah, but to my point is that if the writer does it right, where you have an investment in the character, be it Feral or Anthro, a death scene will evoke certain emotions. Now, maybe psychologically there is a little more sympathy towards a Feral character, but again, as a writer, it's really in how you how you play it up. Well, I think it also has to do with the visual medium mm-hmm. because they're so cute. That's that will pull us in. Where with writing, it's almost it's a little bit harder to kind of bring this in unless you have it with the case of where it's like this boy's dog, and then he gets older, and then said dog is older, and then things. Yeah, happen. then it, it. But then you're you're again, you're, you're playing into the yeah. human psyche. Um, but I also I do think the playing field is still a little bit more leveled. Um, in a literary sense than it is in a visual. Mm-hmm. I would definitely agree with that. I'm just thinking that there is a much easier precedent set when you have a sort of a dumb feral animal, like a dog or something. I was hiding mm-hmm. because under the it's because very, it's yeah, it's very easy <clears throat> to put a dog in a situation and everybody loves the dog just full stop mm-hmm. because you don't have to worry about the dog's motivations. You don't have to worry about what the dog is doing. The mm-hmm. dog loves you, and if that dog ever dies, you feel like shit because it was just an innocent bite. And I was going to say, and that said, that's a non-intelligent dog versus an intelligent dog. Versus once you give it feral, the, which... Yeah, uh, like once a feral, you, sentient feral, which would be very... Well, then you end up losing a lot of that. It's just a dog it exists to you, love you you have to work harder to give them that personality yeah. that makes you Look sad when they die anyway i think that's <laughs> I, pretty much it i think we beat this topic to death yeah. it's a horse yeah i think i think the horse just uh keeled over well we're, we're starting to break the skin on the on the uh, on the dead <laughs> flank right now so yeah. let us so lop off the head what do you Let's think this. people listeners Email I don't know us. Why you keep asking? Please email yeah, us at what is our email again? Fangsandfonts at gmail dot com. You can also visit our website at fangsandfonts dot com. Or you can follow our Twitter at fangsandfonts or our Fangs Facebook fun. page yeah. facebook dot com slash fangsandfonts. Thank you to our special guests. Pleasure yeah, to be here. Carrie, and incidentally, Leo. Yay! Yay. <laughs> Leo showed up in the middle of it. <laughs> I know this was kind of awesome. I pretty much listened to all of you guys' episodes, and I was like, I, I remember hope. when you didn't. I was like, why aren't you? <laughs> yeah, and I started listening to them to spite him. Then I was like, yeah, I really like you guys. Now you're <laughs> like, I'm gonna listen and tell him how much it sucks. <laughs> yeah, fine, I'll listen. <laughs> and, then she, and then she sits oh. through this one and goes, "Man, I didn't realize how much editing goes into an episode." Yeah, I will say that. The Anthrocon one is my favorite one, which is more <laughs> the really only one. Hilarious. Just Ocean. It's just Ocean, but he he brought a lot a lot of different writers to it. Bias. With <laughs> and doing his, it again this year at AC. That Iatus. Well, yeah, yeah, Iatus is pretty good. <laughs> 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 Uh, 
hey, I get it enough. I'm allowed to mispronounce Yanis's name. <laughs> Love you, Yanis. Yeah. I'll send my edits out shortly. You guys constantly re- say Reachin's name wrong, so. Reachin. Yep. <laughs> anyway, so. Do thank, things! Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next episode. Bye. To be continued. Till then. Sorry, future Roland. Sorry, future Roland. <laughs> you better Later. be. Bye. Future Tarl, you are so in for it. <laughs> yeah. Enjoying that movie that everyone else but me and Yad has seen. I, I almost wanted to say next time on Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> <laughs> next yeah. time on Fangs and Fawns. Next time on Fairy Tale. <laughs> <laughs> on a very special episode of Fangs and Fawns. <laughs> we have to do the. We, oh, we, we still have to do the soap opera intro. Kitty Loves Monster was still going today. I could just see this t-shirt. Uh, Anthro on the streets, feral in the sheets. Yeah, yeah. I want oh, oh there, there, Leo, you wanted a t-shirt idea. I like that. Oh, hell. There you go. That, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Right. Yep, and for the shirt. I want to cut it out. I just want the shirt. I just want the shirt.